Today on Locked On Anaheim Ducks, part one of a two-part series about the last time a global pandemic affected hockey. Join me on today's Locked On Anaheim Ducks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Good morning, everyone. It's Wednesday. It's the day after St. Patrick's Day. Hopefully you all are still safe out there and doing your part in preventing the spread of COVID-19 or more commonly known as the coronavirus. Uh, First off, I want to sincerely apologize for the lack of a show yesterday. Suffice it to say, real life stuff happens and I wanted the best possible show for this two-part series. And folks, I want to share with you all a story about the Spanish flu that affected the NHL Stanley Cup Finals. But before we take a very deep dive into that story, I want to remind you that you can hear this podcast or any of the of the other shows on the Locked On Podcast Network via Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or Stitcher. Also, make sure to rate, comment, and most of all, subscribe if you haven't already. And it's important to subscribe because there will be a second part to this tomorrow so make sure to check that out also check us out on the socials at lo underscore ducks or follow me personally at stimpyjd i know there has not been a lot of content recently we all know that hockey is not going on right now there are all these reports going on you know as you are very much aware the nhl is currently paused indefinitely because of the COVID-19 pandemic that has afflicted our world and altered our livelihoods as we know it. The last games were played here in Southern California with the Ducks-Blues makeup game being the final game at the Ponda before the NHL was put on pause. As of right now, there is no concrete date for the NHL to return. There is still the possibility that Lord Stanley's Cup will not be hoisted this season. The last time the cup was not awarded was in 2005 because of the NHL lockout. However, the only other year where the cup was not awarded was all the way back in 1919. We're possibly looking at history repeating itself here because the reason the Stanley Cup final wasn't concluded over a century ago was because of an outbreak of the Spanish flu. That was the only time, so far, where the cup wasn't awarded because of a pandemic. Now, you might be asking yourself, why am I bringing this up? I'll admit, I'm a bit of a trivia buff, and I love researching old stories and delving into them. I mean, I write trivia. I've done Hockey Jeopardy. Hockey Jeopardy is coming back next week. Plus, with the additional time given to look up as much information as possible and the ever-growing possibility that this year could be the second such occurrence, I thought I'd take a very deep dive into the circumstances surrounding the 1919 hockey season, the Spanish flu pandemic itself, and the effects it had on that unfortunate cup final where the hockey world lost one of its early pioneers. Now, I will include some academic papers, quotes, and several articles from, not the Seattle Times, then known as the Seattle Daily Times, or even the Post-Intelligencer, or PI. No, I've procured over a dozen articles 
from the Seattle Star, which hasn't been in existence since around World War II. So buckle up, folks. We're in for a deep dive into hockey and world history from over 100 years ago. Today's show is going to focus on the 1918 hockey season and the Spanish flu itself. Tomorrow's episode will focus mainly on the 1919 season and the cup final that took place. So today's going to be more about the disease, the previous season, the war, stuff like that. So here we go. The year is 1918, and the United States and Canada were deeply involved in World War I. Both countries were battling together in the front lines of Europe. As a direct result, several players from both the newly christened NHL and the Pacific Coast Hockey Association, or PCHA, were off fighting the Great War. During that 1918 season, the Montreal Wanderers were forced to fold when their home arena was burned down. Their crosstown rival, Les Canadiens, played at the Jubilee Arena. More about that arena later in the story. The NHL championship was played between the Toronto Arenas and the Montreal Canadiens, with Toronto winning the NHL championship and earning the right to play for the Stanley Cup. Meanwhile, on the West Coast, the Vancouver Millionaires defeated the Seattle Metropolitans to win the PCHA championship. Back in the infancy of the NHL, winning the NHL championship did not automatically mean you won the Stanley Cup. No, the true winner of the Cup would be decided between the champions of the NHL and PCHA. In that first year of the NHL, it was already, or rather, in that year, it was already decided that the Stanley Cup final host team would alternate every year with the NHL champ hosting in 1918 and the PCHA champ hosting in 1919. And that pattern would continue until 1926 when the Western League folded. Keep that fact in your mind. Hmm. Uh, Well, of course Toronto would host the Stanley Cup final in the first year of the NHL in 1918, because, of course, Toronto. Oh, one other major advantage I should point out. The home team would play by their league rules for games 1, 3, and 5, while the visiting team would play by their rules for games 2 and 4. So this would be a best-of-five series. The first team to win three games would win Lord Stanley's Cup. And here's some of the rules that are different. As far as the Pacific Coast League goes, they played 7-on-7 hockey, meaning six skaters and a goalie, instead of the six-on-six with the NHL. The NHL back then had a goalie. They had, you know, six-on-six. Like we have now. Three forwards, two defensemen, a center. Yeah, the Pacific League, they had an additional man on the ice. And that was called the Rover. So aside from all the typical skaters that would be on the ice, you know, your three forwards, your demon, your goalie, you also had a Rover out there. So the ice was a little bit more crowded. But that was the rules that they played by in the Pacific Coast League. There was also different rules about penalties. And if a team was penalized, 
in the NHL, then a player can, then this is a weird rule to think about. A player can be substituted for that penalized player. So there was no such thing as a power play back in the NHL days. The Pacific League had such a rule. In fact, there was an article out in the 20s saying that, oh, this rule is not going to last. This is not real hockey if a player gets penalized and the team doesn't get penalized. Back then, a minor penalty would be served for three minutes, a maximum of three minutes, and that was it because it would still be even ice play. Yeah, that was weird, wasn't it? See, even all the way back in 1918, the NHL was trying to give that franchise in Toronto every advantage possible, but I digress. The arenas would win the 1918 Cup, of course. Well, we're going to dive really deep into the waves of the Spanish flu itself. But first, I know many of you listening may be stuck at home with nowhere to go. However, I sincerely hope you're fascinated by this story so far. And if you've built up an appetite, the Locked On Podcast Network would like to help you out while you're stuck at home. For a limited time, Postmates is giving our listeners $100. Is that right? Wow. $100 of free delivery credit for your first seven days. This will be very important at a time like this. To start your free deliveries, Download the Postmates app on either the Apple App Store or Google Play Store and use the code LOCKEDONNBA, all one word. This is for a very limited time and could be very useful to you all right now, especially in Southern California when we're pretty much on lockdown. So once again, download the Postmates app and use the promo code LOCKEDONNBA, for $100 worth of free delivery credit for your first seven days. So check out the Postmates app. And after the first intermission, we're going to talk less about hockey, more about the Spanish flu itself. Stay locked in. Welcome back to Locked On Anaheim Ducks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. On the previous segment, we talked about the 1918 NHL hockey season, and we kind of talked a little bit about how it alternated between the West and the East, different rules and whatnot. So this is kind of setting up for the 1919 season. But before we talk about the 1919 season, that will likely be on tomorrow's show we got to talk about the Spanish flu itself. We haven't really delved that much into it. And, well, you know, it does relate. Right around the same time that Toronto would win their first NHL Cup, a greater enemy was presenting itself. That would be the Spanish flu. Why in the world would it be called the Spanish flu? Well, that's because King Alfonso XIII of Spain was gravely ill with this version of the influenza. The sensationalist... Okay. Yes, newspapers have been biased even all the way a hundred years ago. The sensationalist stories painted the country as being the hardest hit when that was simply not true. But 
why these sensational stories? The initial reports of this influenza was shrouded in secrecy, and around March of 1918, when the cup final was taking place, hundreds of men at Fort Riley, Kansas, came back sick, and it began to expand past Fort Riley. In fact, here's an article from Metabiota about that fateful virus. So this is quoting from Metabioti, sorry, Metabiota, which you can find online at metabiota.com. So here's what the article says. Quote, The spark site for the 1918 influenza pandemic has been a topic of extensive debate and there are many conflicting hypotheses about the virus's geographic origin. The name Spanish flu appears to be a misnomer. That's for sure. And it goes on to say that it was first observed in the U.S. among military recruits reporting for duty at Fort Riley, Kansas. Under that hypothesis, recruits from throughout the surrounding rural areas likely brought the virus to Fort Riley in the winter of 1918 towards the end of World War I. And over the next month, the virus spread to other army camps, ultimately causing over 11,000 hospitalizations. Soon after, the virus began making its way across the Atlantic along with U.S. soldiers. End quote. Yeah, it's kind of interesting how it can start in one place and then end up in a completely different place. And by the way, that was only the first wave. Few noticed the epidemic in the midst of the war. Woodrow Wilson, the president at the time, had just given his 14-point address. There was virtually no response or even acknowledgement to the epidemics in March and April in the military camps. It was unfortunate that no steps were taken to prepare for the usual recrudescence of the virulent influenza strain in the winter. Yeah, not many steps. The lack of action was later criticized when the epidemic could not be ignored in the winter of 1918. And this is according to a December 1918 article from the British Medical Journal. So there it is. That's part of the research there. Soon, the virus hit New York City with new cases occurring every day. According to a 1997 Stanford article by Molly Billings, and I'm going to quote here, quote, In the fall of 1918, the Great War in Europe was winding down and peace was on the horizon. The Americans had joined in the fight, bringing the Allies closer to victory against the Germans. Deep within the trenches, these men lived through some of the most brutal conditions of life which it seemed could not be any worse. Then, in pockets across the globe, something erupted that seemed as benign as the common cold. The influenza of that season, however, was far more than a cold. End quote. And that's when things began to get really interesting. And this is honestly where my research took a fascinating turn. I originally intended to just talk about the hockey and focus on newspaper articles from February to April 1919. But like most people go down a YouTube rabbit hole, and let's face it, we've all done that. I went down a vintage newspaper rabbit hole, if you can believe that, 
and found several clippings from the Seattle Star around October 1918 when the Spanish flu completely hit Seattle in what can be described as an interesting time in history. And there's a lot of articles to go through, so I'm just going to go through them one by one. Starting with Saturday, October 5th, 1918. Now, it had already been reported in the Seattle Star that some cases were starting. There was single digits, then double digits, and then it got worse very quickly. On the top headline, it said, Mayor closes theaters, schools, and churches. Sudden spread of Spanish influenza forces city officials to take drastic steps. And at the time, 25 cases in Seattle had been reported. That was at the time. And it said that all churches, schools, theaters, and, you know, places of assemblage were ordered, you know, done by proclamation of the mayor at noon Saturday to check the spread of the Spanish influenza. And that is directly from the newspaper. And this is what Mayor Hansen declared, quote, We will enforce the order to the better. The chief of police has been given orders. Dance halls were ordered closed last night. No private dances must be held. Persons spitting on sidewalks or in streetcars are to be immediately placed under arrest, end quote. Yeah, even spitting would have gotten you arrested back then. And this was in 1918. So here's what Dr. T.D. Tuttle, a state commissioner of health, said. He issued a list of rules for the public to follow in combating Spanish influenza. And he basically says, keep away from crowds. Uh, This is a quote from the doctor all the way back in 1918. Keep away from public gatherings and public places as much as possible. If necessary for you to go into crowded places, get out as soon as possible. Hmm. Sound familiar, guys? He also said that if you have a cold, even the most simple cold... Keep your face away from other people's faces. Do not kiss the members of your family and do not breathe directly into other people's faces. Hmm, this is sounding a little familiar, isn't it? He goes on to say that the above mentioned precautions are extremely simple. And yet, if you will only consider for a moment, you will realize that we're asking you to practice voluntary quarantine instead of trying to put you under quarantine by law. We're asking you at, as a patriotic service. Wow, they actually use the phrase patriotic service to actually go into quarantine and stay there until all danger of spreading the disease is paused. So that was from that first article. Then it got a little bit worse. That was just Saturday, October 5th. Then we go into, you know, two days later, Monday, October 7th. Then it said, right on the top, eight die here of, quote, flu in 24 hours. Yeah, eight people died right away. That's how bad it was beginning to get. Right away, it said, right on top, halls and churches became flu hospitals. And here's a little interesting article that I like, and I think this can apply to today. The top headline says, and I'm not kidding 
It says, quote, don't be a grumbler. Don't grumble because you can't see a movie or play a game of billiards because that was the style at the time or because the schools and churches closed. The health of the city is more important than all else. An ounce of prevention now is worth a thousand cures. In Boston, influenza has taken a toll of thousands. We do not want to court that situation here. End quote. So I think this same advice could be applied now. Don't be a grumbler just because you can't see a movie or, you know, play billiards because that might still be the style at the time. You know, you can't play darts. You can't play hockey. You can't go to the rinks. You know, don't grumble about it. Health is more important. And that can certainly apply today, right? So I put out an article on Twitter this morning, and this was an article from the Seattle Star on Tuesday, October 8th. I kid you not. It's like history is repeating itself. Here's what it says on the top of the Seattle Star. Warning. Do not trifle with Spanish influenza symptoms. The situation is positively dangerous here. You are warned to keep away from all crowds in the open air as well as indoors. Do not waste time in restaurants. Keep clean. Wash your hands before eating. Don't use towels or napkins used by others. Keep the air circulating well in home and office. Do not breathe in other people's faces. Sneeze and cough into your handkerchief. If you catch a cold, stay at home and bar visitors. If you do not recover promptly, call a physician. The city health doctors are preparing a vaccine against influenza. It will probably be ready for distribution late today or tomorrow. It cannot harm you. And if your doctor prescribes it, take it. If you are spending your vacation here, leave at once. Help relieve the congestion. And that same day, it says that five more die of the flu in the last 24 hours. 90 more are sick. But there was a glimmer of hope. It says on top, vaccination possible soon. Vaccination against influenza will be possible throughout the city within the next 24 hours. So you mean to tell me that right now in 2020, it's taking so long to get a vaccine, to get testing, and they got it done fairly quickly back, well, somewhat quickly back then. Could have been a little bit faster, but they got it done pretty well, I think. And then looking at the following day on Wednesday, you know, they they continued with what they were doing. And this is October 9th. You know, the quote flu grips 984 Seattle victims, and they reported 369 new cases. However, there was hope because right on the top, it said, no new civilian deaths, many are vaccinated. They did a pretty good job getting the vaccinations out fairly quickly. In fact, it says, quote, thousands of civilians were being vaccinated against Spanish influenza Wednesday. Enough anti-influenza fluid for vaccination had been prepared Wednesday to supply all physicians who applied for it and to continue the vaccination of thousands of shipyard workers, end quote. So they were treated pretty promptly, pretty quickly. 
Then we go on to another newspaper article. Like I said, I really went down a rabbit hole here. The following day, Thursday, October 10th, it says what to do if you have Spanish influenza. And this is by the National Conference of Army, Navy, and Civilian Doctors. It has 10 steps here. It says if you get a cold, go to bed, keep warm, keep away from other people, um, use individual basins, knives, forks, spoons. In other words, don't share your utensils. Um, in every case, go to bed at once under the care of a physician. Um, do not cough or sneeze except when a mask or handkerchief is held before the face. Uh, keep warm. You know, the great danger is from pneumonia. This is very familiar. This is sounding so familiar to what we're being told. Basically, in 2020, 102 years later, we're hearing pretty much the same freaking thing. And on that Thursday, it said 1,288 flu cases in Seattle alone were reported. And there is something a little bit interesting, a little important that I want to read to you all. And that's from the same issue of the newspaper. It says, this will take weeks to banish, quote, flu. And here's a quote. We're doing our best to check the Spanish influenza epidemic and meeting with much success. But we have a virulent contagion in our midst that it will require weeks to banish. We must not, under any condition, slacken effort. Every individual should do his or her share to see that the influenza is restricted, adhering strictly to sanitation and the prescribed preventive methods released by the health department. There is no let-up in the situation yet. End quote. And this is from the Seattle City Health Commissioner, Dr. J.S. McBride. So at the time, they were trying to do their best to curb this you know spread of disease which is smart this is what is exactly going on right now in our state of california everyone is ordered to stay indoors we're essentially in a lockdown you know don't slacken your efforts guard against the spread which is what they were being told all the way back then and then the following day friday october 11th a whole thing on top it says how to keep from getting influenza and these are pretty much the same things we're hearing nowadays. Avoid contact with other people as far as possible. Avoid crowds indoors in streetcars. We haven't had a streetcar in a long time. Uh, theaters, motion picture houses, which are different from theaters, and other places of public assemblage. Yeah, interesting. They tell that to us now. Avoid persons suffering from colds. Avoid chilling of body. Keep the temperature below six, or keep it between 65 and 72. Sleep and work in clean, fresh air. Keep your hands clean. Keep them out of your mouth. Wash your hands, yada, yada, yada. Pretty much what we're being told now. And even on that Friday, you know, they were still covering this story. It's a 10 more die of flu in 24 hours in the city. So people were still dying from this. And they even still talked about this the following week, that there were even more deaths. It kept going, and it spilled over into the hockey world, because on October 13th, 1918, it would have a player succumb, Ham Hamby Shore, also known as Samuel Hamilton Shore of the Ottawa Sens. 
he passed away from the Spanish influenza at the age of only 32 years old. So he's one of those younger guys that succumbed to the Spanish flu. And this would be the start of something really terrible here. And then the Seattle Star stopped reporting on the Spanish flu despite the fact that it was still spreading. But why was that? Well, a minor event called the Great War or World War I, you may have heard of it, it was nearing its end. And talks of the Huns surrendering dominated the headlines. Then more battles were happening, which led to more peace talks happening. This all culminated with the invasion of Austria until finally, war is over. President Woodrow Wilson talked to Congress on an armistice terms, and he said, quote, Holiday is proclaimed on November 11th, 1918. Yeah, I'd say that's a good reason to not report anything on the still-spreading Spanish flu. However, the deadlier second wave was about to begin because all the troops were coming home. And I think that is a great spoiler. Well, not a spoiler, but that is a great cliffhanger to end on today's episode. Uh, Just to remind you, that you can hear this or any of the previous episodes on the Locked On Podcast Network via Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or Stitcher. Also, please make sure to follow along at LO underscore Ducks. Follow the show on Twitter or follow me on Twitter at StimpyJD. Make sure to rate, comment, most of all, subscribe. This was part one. Part two will come tomorrow and part two... We'll focus more on the hockey. We're still going to focus a little bit about the flu itself, talk about the second wave, and how that all relates to what happened in the 1918-1919 NHL season. It does all relate, and it circles back, trust me. And really, I just want to say thank you all for listening. I hope you all you know, take a lesson from this. And just really think about, you know, the history is possibly repeating itself. Think about what these newspaper articles said a hundred plus years ago. History is repeating, folks. So let's remain vigilant. Wash your hands. Keep clean. And, you know, just do your best to prevent the spread of COVID-19. Just like people were diligent for a while Uh, preventing the spread of the Spanish influenza. So let's just be careful. And I will end by saying, for Locked On Anaheim Ducks, I'm Jason J.D. Hernandez saying have a great rest of the day and wash your hands and stay safe, Anaheim.